Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. If I had missed you earlier this morning, good morning to you. Uh, I feel like I must say good morning to the men who are sitting right in front here. Uh, it's good to see the young gents uh, keeping me accountable from the front. Um, hopefully they don't throw any stones by the end of the sermon. Uh, well, the, the month of, of October um, was, was by, by the providential hand of God, Missions Month at Central Baptist Church. In fact, if you had asked any one of, our, any one of us pastors if the month of October would have been Missions Month, and you asked us in September or August, we wouldn't have said yes. But by the providential hand of God, it so happened that Pastor Charles and a team went up to the north of Africa with the sole purpose to encourage our missionaries there. And I'm sure that as they were encouraging them, God used the missionaries to encourage Pastor Charles and the team. Daniel took a team of eight to Mozambique, and they went to serve the Mozambican School of the Bible, and they got to do a lot of manual labor, but they also had some opportunity to do some ministry there. As you heard, Hannah also went to Turkey. She went with a, a team of people who loved the Lord to, to serve alongside missionaries there. And on her way back uh, with, the, with another team, she went and encouraged one of our missionaries as well. Daniel and I got the opportunity to go to East London as well and to go see what, what is God doing through the Baptist churches of Southern Africa. And we got to be encouraged that God is at work in Baptist churches in South Africa. We then came back when we went to church camp and guess what is the theme at church camp? A courageous witness. And so it seems as though it is coincidental, but clearly, friends, God is doing something among us, and God is sort of getting our attention on a specific topic that every one of us knows about, but very few of us are practicing. And so the question that I want to pose this morning is, who should go? Who should go on missions? And then why should they go? Who should go and why should they go? And I've titled this morning's message, To This You Were Called. Who should go? Who are these radicals who are to be sharing the gospel with everyone around them? Who are these radicals who are to be armed with the power of God unto salvation? Who are these radicals who have beautiful feet that no spa day can give you? Who are these radicals who are sharing the gospel? Why are these radicals giving their lives for gospel ministry? One such radical was playing the piano here this morning. She's sitting at the baby bomb squad and, and she, she, made, she made her way from Pennsylvania all the way to South Africa to minister to the orphaned at Bethesda. Another one such radical left a growing church in South Africa where the members loved him, the ministry was growing, and he chose to go to Japan to learn one of the hardest languages in the world. One such radical is actually back in the country. He, he left again, he left his family, he, he left his church family, and he went to Ecuador. There are many other radicals who are sitting in the pews among us. 
And so the question this morning is, is, is gospel ministry, or specifically in line with our sermon this morning, is, is the fishing of men only reserved for radicals? Or is it a task that we all are to carry? Whether you are a domestic worker or whether you're a CEO in a multi-billion dollar company, whether you are a child in school or whether you're a mom who stays at home, who should be fishing for men? And the answer this morning is it should be you. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 5 and we'll read from verses 1 to 11. Luke chapter 5 and we'll read from verses 1 to 11. That passage again is Luke chapter 5, and we'll start from verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into the boats, which were Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when, they had, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat, come and help. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. And so Lord, we first ask that you would Bless the reading of your word. We also ask that now you would bless the preaching of it. My Lord, I do ask that this will be a message that is simple. But Lord, I do ask you to be a message that is clear. My God, I ask that we would leave this place with, with a burden in our hearts for the lost. Lord, a, a, a reminder that God, we are here to be those ministers of reconciliation. God, I pray that you would make us uncomfortable. And God, when we are uncomfortable, Lord, help us to not excuse it away, but help us to rather be obedient, obedient to your word. God, I pray that you'd help me to speak with clarity, Lord, help me to not to add anything to your word or, or subtract from it, but God, I ask that I'll speak only as the Spirit leads me and the Spirit has helped me to prepare. And I do pray that, Lord, this would be a message that touches all of us in this room. And again, Lord, I ask, even though this is a message challenged to those whom you've already redeemed, I ask if there's one who doesn't know you, please won't you be so gracious as to save them this morning, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, this, mo- this, this sermon this morning is simple. There's only one Greek word, only two quotes, <laughs> very simple message. 
I'm not trying to impress you with anything new from this text. So if you're expecting new stuff, I'm sorry, there's nothing. But this message is a clear challenge to all of us. It's a clear challenge for us to, to get back to the place where, where we are obedient to our master, where we are obedient to Jesus. And so the first point this morning is the lesson. Listen to the word. Listen to the word. And remember the title is, to this you were called, and what were you called to do? You were called to one. Listen to the word. You see in verse one it says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And so we know Black Friday is around the corner. Checkers is already starting with a lot of the sales, and so uh, milk is finished, eggs are finished. And so with Black Friday around the corner, you already know that people are saving up money now so that they can flock to supermarkets to buy things that they believed are perfectly priced and are convenient to their pockets. What shocks me is people for some reason lose their minds at the sight of deals. People become so aggressive at the shopping centers. You will get pushed, you will get shoved, I got someone who hit me with the trolley, and instead of saying sorry, they still pushed me out of the way, just so they could, they could get three bottles of peanut butter for 100 rand. People will grab a pair of jeans right out of your hands because they are convinced that they need it more than you. We see in verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him. Why? To hear the word of the Lord. The people were ready to stockpile. They were not ready to stockpile eggs, but they were ready to stockpile the word of God. They were pressing in on Jesus because they desired to hear the word. In chapter four, Jesus says this, I must preach the good news of the gospel of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. You can imagine the, the joy that, felt, that filled Jesus' heart because finally the people are pressing in on him not to see him perform a miracle, but to see him do what he came to do, preach the word. Church, where are the souls who are panting for the word of God? Where are the souls that are hungry and are thirsty for the word of truth? Where are those souls who would rather miss out on a Premier League game, who would rather miss out on Formula One, rugby or cricket? Where are the souls who would rather miss out on a run, who would rather miss out on cycling? Where are the souls who would rather miss out on that great deal on, at the market on a Sunday morning? Where are those souls who would rather miss out on everything else to sit under the preaching of God's word. We make so many excuses why we don't come to church while church should be the reason why we're missing out on other things. And so Christ, seeing the crowd gather around him, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. The, the master teacher enters into what I would consider a busy scene. 
If, if I was a teacher or, or the preacher that morning, it, it would make me so uncomfortable to preach. In fact, I would probably walk out or, or look for the elders to, to try calm the crowd. The scene was busy. There was a crowd that was pressing in on Jesus. And friends, they were not pressing in silently. Obviously, it's a crowd of people. They are talking. There was chaos. There was a noise. The fishermen were also on the side washing their nets. Also probably talking about, man, last night was horrid. We had waves. We worked. We toiled. We slaved away, but we caught nothing. It might be a scene from right out of 2023 where people keep walking out of the room to go to the toilet while the sermon is going on. Babies are crying at the back. Someone's phone keeps going off and they never put it on silent. Man, I'm so angry because you didn't sing my favorite hymn this morning. In fact, you didn't sing no hymns this morning, so my ears are closed. The mic didn't work. I couldn't hear the drums coming out of the speaker. Church, we need to realize that there will always be something going on that is trying to hinder you from hearing the word of God. There was a lot going on in this passage that, that, was hit, that could have hindered Jesus from preaching. It could have just said, guys, let's just go. The scene is too chaotic. But here comes Jesus, and Jesus comes to Peter and says, put out a little from the land. Jesus wants a bit of distance between himself and the crowd. Why? So that they could see him better, and so they could hear him better. But there could have been another hindrance. He goes to Peter and he asks Peter to, to take his boat back into the water. Peter could have responded, well, Jesus, I hear you. I hear the reason why you want the boat back in the water. But he could have just said, I've been on that boat all night. I can't go back in that water. In fact, I'm so exhausted from washing the net. Does that sound familiar to us this morning? How many opportunities have we passed to sit under the teaching of God's word because of convenience? Lord, you get it. Lord, you heard me pray to you yesterday. It has been a hectic week of work. It has been a hectic week of school. It's been a hectic week at university. Lord, you know the baby didn't sleep last night. Lord, you know it's been a difficult week of tests, difficult week of assignments, difficult week of exams. Lord, you know my wife and I are fighting. Lord, you know this week is too tough. It's too tough. I just can't do it. Lord, just give me one Sunday to myself. Peter could have said the same thing. But Peter was obedient. Peter, as tired as he was, as busy as he was, Peter just gets back onto his boat. He rolls Christ away from the land and so that Christ would have a pulpit to preach. Friends, there's nothing about this encounter that's coincidental. From the selecting of Peter's boat to the location where Peter would park the boat to the message that Jesus would preach. Jesus was probably teaching about how the Old Testament scriptures were pointing to him as the Messiah. The Lamb of God is here. The Lamb of God that is to take away the sins of the world. I am he. We need to understand that God is intentional when it comes to the ministry of his word. Nothing is by chance. And so I want to encourage you that, that the Lord has set this specific day for you to hear this word. Not to hear me, but to hear this word. The Lord has set this day to teach you the reason why you are seated where you are sitting. The reason why you are where you are is because God has put you there so you can hear this word. Do not close off to it. 
Maybe one more thing that I can add before we move on. Friends, as, as you come to the preaching of God's word, I'd like to implore you, I'd like to challenge you to, to sit with attentive ears. I'd like to encourage you that as you sit and listen to the preaching of God's word, your heart's attitude must be, Lord, I want to hear you. Lord, help me hear past this young man with a yellow jersey. I want to hear you. Have the heart attitude that says, Lord, I want to be awestruck by you. Lord, help me to see you. Help me to see you in the text. But Lord, also help me, humble me. I don't know everything. I believe that the word of God is alive. So whether, whether it's a young man preaching or it's an old man as old as Pastor Ish. <laughs> whether it's a young man preaching or it's an old man preaching, friends, the point is I want to hear from God. And so ask, Lord, humble me. Humble me when I come to the sitting and listening of your word. Lord, and the last thing I, I want to ask that you ask of God is ask him to unsettle you. Lord, as, as I listen to your word, as I listen to your word being preached, I, I ask that you would unsettle me. Unsettle me from the comfort of this earth. Lord, help me to, to, to lift up my tent pegs. If my tent pegs were far too deep and I'm so concerned about the worries of this world that I've forgotten about you, Lord, unsettle me from the comforts of earth and return me to a kingdom-mindedness. Lord, help me, help me to, like the crowd, press in on Jesus. This is my plea. And so we must move on. And we see that now Jesus zooms in on Jesus. And so, again, the title is, To This You Were Called. The second point is to trust the Word of God. So first, you are called to listen to the Word of God. And second, you are called to trust the Word of God. Look at verse 4. It says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus is, is, is about to, to call Peter to be his disciple and he steps into his boat right before he steps into his life. He instructs him to, to go back and do what you do. Go back into the deep and do some fishing. This was Peter's area of expertise. This was what he was good at. Fishing is what he did and a fisherman was who he was. And so you could almost hear Jesus, you could almost hear Peter in his mind, or, or maybe, uh, well, there's nothing that says it out loud. He says a little bit of it, but you can almost hear Peter saying, well, Jesus, sir, um, respectfully, we've been here. We've been here all night. We, we, have, we have tried. We are tired. We've tried the various methods of fishing. We, we have been taught to fish, and we've tried the methods. In fact, we worked together as a collective, and, and Lord, we caught nothing. He says, Master, we, we toiled all night and took nothing. That word toil is, is an important word because, because that word means to exhibit great effort and exertion to the point of exhaustion, the point of physically becoming worn out, weary or faint. Church, I don't want you to miss it. Peter was, was exhausted he was worn out, he was weary, he was faint, and in light of this, don't miss it, he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Peter is saying, I trust you, Jesus. 
Peter is saying, I trust your word. Though it goes against my comfort, I trust your word. Though it goes against my experience, though it goes against my expertise, Jesus, your word I will obey. This is the starting point of Peter's ministry and it's the starting point of, of, of where Peter could, could usher those famous words that we even sing, where else shall we go, Lord, for you have the words of eternal life. From the beginning to the end, Peter knew that he could trust the word of God. Peter knew that apart from the word of God, he was done for. Church, do we still have this great confidence in the word of God? Church, do we still have great confidence in the living, in the active, in the inerrant, in the authoritative, in the sufficient word of God? Do we still have confidence? Do we still have trust in his word that brought from nothing everything that moves and breathes and has its being? Do you still have confidence in his word that has power to save? Even that family member who seems like they're so far from God, do you still have confidence in the word that has the power to save? His word is true and church, his word endures forever. But have you lost confidence in this word? The only evidence of you having confidence in the word of God is your obedience. Peter trusted, but at your word, and he obeyed, I will let down my nets. If you trust, you must obey. Consider verse six. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners, to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. What we see in this passage is a wonderful doctrine of the sovereignty of God and the, and the responsibility of man. Peter's, Peter's obedience and Jesus' power led to fruitfulness at sea. Friends, if you are obedient to the word of God, God is able to do miraculous things. Now, 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 I must say, I, I am a conservative evangelical and we do have churches around us that, that abuse miracles but I believe in miracles. The fact that I'm saved is a miracle. Friends, if you believe the word of God, surely you must obey and God is able to do great things. God is able to build this church. In fact, he's promised that he will. And so friends, we must be obedient. Jesus wants to perform the, the, the miracle of salvation through your faithful witness. And so friends, verses six to verse eight is loaded. The first thing I want us to not miss is that Peter was an experienced fisherman. When Peter went out to sea, you, surely there, were, there probably was an element of, of, of skepticism. Well, well we've, I remember we passed by here last night and we caught nothing. He was an experienced fisherman. And so when he saw this miracle, he knew that what had just happened was outside of the realm of normal. He knew that what just happened was a miracle. This must be God. I also don't want you to miss that Jesus showed not only his power, that Jesus showed not only his omniscience, but that Jesus shows his authority even over the fish. That the fish come running to the nets. 
and they are caught. Friends, it wasn't Peter's experience. It wasn't even Peter's net. There was nothing on Peter's boat that, that, that drew in the fish. It wasn't the, the time of day, friends. It was all of God. And so as we are called to gospel ministry, it's not my eloquence of speech. It's not my ministry experience. It's not even my theological degree or knowledge. It is the power of God in the gospel of God that saves. Just be faithful. In fact, verse 7 alone could have been the perfect distraction for Peter to miss everything. Read verse 7. Verse 7 said, They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. We have fish, boys. The fish are back. I don't want you to miss it, guys. This, this was his career. This is what Peter, Peter does. Business has never been this good. And church, business would never be as good as it was now. He could have milked the moment. Guys, we need to catch everything. Don't even let one fish go back into the sea. He could have tried and focused on sorting them out. He could have been planning the transportation. We need donkeys, we need horses, we need camels. He could have been focusing on, oh, how am I going to sell them? Where am I going to sell them? Uh, uh, am I going to put it take a lot? What am I going to do? Uh, uh, how, much am I, how much am I going to keep for, for my family? Man, he could have been thinking so many things. Oh, I need to take a video, put it up on TikTok, put it up on Instagram. Guys, Peter was up. He was up. Uh, the, 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 uh, there's no equivalent of this word. He, uh, he, he was up. His career was blooming. He could have missed it. He could have missed it. Like we can also miss it. But this was not Peter's response. In fact, Peter was undone. Peter was humbled. Look at verse 8. It says, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Have you heard this response before in the Bible? I was reminded by two instances. The one you probably thought of was Isaiah chapter 6. We'll get there. The first one I thought of was the response of the nation Israel on Mount Sinai. They said, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. It is better that we be away from God because if God speaks to us sinful men, he will kill us. Isaiah also responds to the power of God in the word and he was undone. Isaiah chapter six, verse four. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. I, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Friends, this is a biblical response to the revelation of God. The, re the revelation of, of the holiness of God. The response was fear. Peter was awestruck with those around him. 
Like the prophet Isaiah, Peter was undone. The fear of the Lord filled his heart. This was a revelation of God to Peter. And this revelation of God brought about to the surface his unworthiness. It brought about to the surface his filth. And the only way he thought he could respond was, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Have you been there? Where, where God, the, where you read the word of God and you come to understand his holiness and you just say, Lord, it would be better if I went away. I felt, I feel that at times. Lord, depart from me for I am unworthy. But then I come back to my senses and I say, but where will I go? Praise God that he never grants us that request. Praise God that he, he never, he never uh, uh, agrees to moving away from us. Praise God for the beauty of the gospel as we are undone by it and we are restored and we are renewed and we are resurrected by it. Friends, Peter was still young in his understanding of the grace. I think it's worth noting. Peter was, was still naive or maybe even ignorant to the, the beauty of forgiveness that was found in Christ. That's why he thought it would be better to move away from the holy God. But Jesus' response is one that is encouraging. Jesus' response to Peter, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Sorry, I've lost my place here. And so friends, this holy God who brings about fear at the sight of our sin is the same holy God who calls us to himself. It is the same Holy God who by His grace justifies us. It is the same Holy God who by His grace and the power of His Spirit sanctifies sinful men like you and I. It is this God who by faith in His finished work saves us. And so friends, this God sanctifies us for His service. And so the point I want to make is simple. I don't need to persuade you that there are currently 3.4 billion people in the world who are considered unreached. I don't need to persuade you that 77% of South Africans claim to be Christian but don't believe that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone through grace alone. I don't have to use stats to persuade you. His word should be enough. And so church, that the challenge today is the word has been given Are you obedient to his word? And so my final point is, to this you are called to live and to share his word. To live and to share his word. 10b and 11 says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. I think it's it's worth noting that Jesus Jesus is really a master teacher. Jesus stepped into Peter's life and taught him important spiritual lessons. Friends, I want to encourage you that we will not hear the Lord teaching us if we are not attentive to his word. And so Peter did not catch, and and so I I want to also show you that Peter did catch men. In Acts chapter 2 verse 41 it says, So, So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Peter caught men. And so friends, this, this message brings clarity to my mind, but I hope to bring you along with me. And so I want to close with these few statements. Number one, 
The catching of men is the work of God. Friends, we, we cannot do it apart from him. In fact, apart from God, you will labor all day and all night and you will catch nothing. If you want to catch men, it has to be by the power of God and using the gospel of God. And so we need God to be faithful in gospel ministry. Number two, the catching of men requires fishermen and women. In God's plan of redemption, he chose to save souls using those who've been saved by the gospel. In God's plan of redemption, he chose to save souls using mankind, and he chose to save souls through the ministry of the gospel. How will they hear without a speaker? And friends, God could have used the donkey. God could have spelt it out in the sky. In fact, he could have spoke directly from heaven. He is God. But he chose to use you. He chose to use me. He chose to use us who have tasted the fruit of salvation that we would bear witness with great joy, with great excitement that Jehovah saves. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Come to Jesus and you will be saved. But sadly, one of the biggest dangers to gospel ministry is that we as Christians have compartmentalized our faith. Our faith is only most active on a Sunday. Our faith is only most active at our Bible studies. But on the rest of the week, our faith is silent. Friends, the gospel must penetrate. It must infiltrate every area, every corner of your life. Friends, you are here for the sole purpose of not building your kingdom, but building his. I loved, I think it was a poem by a man called Anon, who says, and I have it on the screen, you do not have to cross the seas, nor foreign lands explore, To share God's word with needy souls, you'll find them right next door. They left everything and followed him. Like sheep submitting to the voice of their shepherd, they left everything and followed him. The things of earth grew strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. They left everything and followed him. Church, genuine followers of Christ are characterized by loving obedience to God and loving his word. Jesus said this to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out harvest, sorry, to send out laborers into the harvest. I enjoyed a quote um, as I was preparing and I was, I was on Twitter. I, I saw a quote that, I mean, it fits. And the quote said, the, the church is not a cruise ship where some people do some of the work. The church is a battleship that requires all hands on deck. And so to answer the question that I asked in the beginning, who must go? I hope the answer is clear that everyone Everyone must go. 
We all must be involved in gospel ministry. Can I tell you, that is why you work where you work. That is why you live where you live. It is, it is God placing you there to be salt and light. And friends, if you don't have that mentality, if God sends you to Dubai, if God sends you to Paris, you'll just go and be a tourist. But if you understand that you are a kingdom servant, you'll understand that God sending you to, Dubai, to Dubai is to be salt and light. God sending you to Paris to be salt and light. God sending you to Cape Town to be salt and light. God sending you even to the rural areas of Southern Africa is to be salt and light. Everywhere you are is for the purpose of kingdom ministry. Friends, we need to be obedient to God. It is uncomfortable. <laughs> it is uncomfortable because... We enjoy what we do, our own space. In fact, I'm an introvert. I enjoy time alone. But friends, we were called for gospel ministry. And I also want to add that this gospel ministry is not just silent, good testimony. It's not just you being a, a, a good citizen of South Africa. It is not just you being a good neighbor. Friends, it must involve the verbal proclamation of Christ. And so the challenge is, please don't be a Sunday Christian. May, may people know that you love God through your faithful witness. May we be known as central with beautiful feet, Baptist Church. But you might ask, what will I say? I don't know how to share the gospel. Share your testimony. What was the message that you believed? How did the Lord Jesus Christ save you? Use that, that very message and share it back to somebody else, trusting that the Spirit of God in the Word of God has the power to save. Remember, God just wants you to be faithful. The fruit, the results, they never belong to us. They belong to Him. If you still don't know, well, there is EE3 on a Monday. Join EE3. Be trained to share the gospel, not just on the streets, but be trained to share the gospel at work. How can you transition from talking about, about soccer to talking about the gospel? It needs to be intentional. But also you need to pray. Pray for boldness. One of the greatest hindrances is fear. The fear of man. What will people say about me? I don't want to make people uncomfortable about being that Christian who's always talking about Jesus. Pray for boldness. Pray for boldness and also pray that God will give you the words to say. Who must go? Everyone. But also, maybe you. Everyone must go, but also, maybe you. It is possible that God, by His Spirit, like in Acts chapter 13, can set you apart for gospel ministry. It is possible, like Paul and Barnabas, like Gabby and Darren, like AJ, God can set you apart for full-time gospel ministry. 
God could set you apart to devote your life completely to the work of evangelism and discipleship. The Lord may so move in your heart here this morning that God calls you to give your life to Russia to go and share Christ there. God can call you to go to the Hamas who are currently bombing the Israelites. He can call you to go share the gospel there. He could call you to Palestine and share the gospel there. Because friends, those people won't just change. They need to hear of Jesus. But how will they hear without a messenger? God could send you. And so pray. Pray that if God does call you, that you would go. Pray that God would raise up from among us here at Central Baptist Church those who will go to share the gospel of Christ on a full-time basis. Pray, pray that here at Central Baptist Church, God would raise up those who would plant churches all through our land. Pray that God will also produce more pastors and more elders from among us who will encourage us about our mission. And finally, why must I go? Why must I go? This one is just one line. (laughs) Because Jesus said so. Acts chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So who must go? Everyone, but maybe you. Why must I go? Because Jesus said so. Let's pray. And so, Lord, even like the song sings, show us Christ, we ask this morning. We ask that your glory was revealed in our hearts by the preaching of your word. We ask that every heart in this room would confess that Christ is Lord. Lord, we ask that we would see Christ as revealed in the scriptures, and again, we would be awestruck like Peter and undone like Isaiah. We ask, Lord, for a, a holy shrinking where, 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 we get, where we get less of us, Lord, and more of you. Lord, help us to thirst again. For those in this room who have found the, the reading of your word to be stale, for, for those who, who find the preaching of your word to, to be stale, where they get easily distracted, God, I, I ask again, help them to thirst. Help us to thirst. Help us to hunger again for your word. God, I I know I can say this for myself and I pray true as well for my brothers. I know I can say it for them. I pray true for all the pastors here that, God, we're not asking for people to come to listen to us. It's not about me, Lord. But Lord, I ask that there'd be people who wanna come listen to you. And so God, I, I do ask that we would respond as Peter did. God, where will we go? Where else can we go? Because God, you have the words of eternal life and so God, we want to come to you. We want to hear from you. But God, we, we also want to pray that like Isaiah, after he was undone and, and the Lord ministered to him, Isaiah raised up his hand and said, here I am, Lord, send me. God, I pray that for all of us in this room. 
I pray that as we walk out those doors, we will walk out saying, God, here I am, send me. Lord, send me to the nations. Send me to my neighbors. God, send me with your love. Send me, Lord, send me now. God, whether it's to my colleagues or whether it's to my family, God, I ask that we would be obedient to your word. But God, help us to remember that even when we toil and we labor and we don't see any immediate fruit, help us to remember that we must be praying to the Lord of the harvest, that we must be praying to the God who saves souls, that he would soften those hearts and that God, they would, they would be saved. For without the work of the Spirit, no soul can be saved. And so God, so move among us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.